0: Welcome to another episode of the Savings View podcast. I'm delighted to be joined today by Julia McColl, who's the commercial director at Chetwood Financial. Well, welcome, Julia.
1: Hi, James. Lovely to be here.
0: Perhaps you can start um, by introducing yourself to, uh, to our listeners uh, and tell us a little bit about your background and, and how you've come to be involved with Chetwood.
1: Yeah, sure. So, I guess my background is all in financial services. So, I, I actually started off at Lloyd's Banking Group. Um, I joined on their grad scheme, spent sort of 10 years or so actually working in various um, financial products, so cross-credit cards, loans, mortgages. Um, I often, often used to joke that I tended to be more on the credit side actually than savings. Um, and then I guess kind of looked for something different and ended up moving into, into Capco, which is a, a small management consultancy. And that's really where I got into the kind of wealth management and private banking space. Uh, so they do a lot of work with, with clients in that space. And really my role was focused around um, helping them to, to work through their commercial roadmaps, um, look at customer propositions. So really helping them focus on, I guess, their offering out to the market. And that's where I met one of the founders of Chetwood and actually really got me hooked on the business model, which is, you know, pretty different, I guess, to, to a lot of the kind of other sort of neo banks or challenger banks out there. And it was just something that really appealed in terms of having a a very kind of clear customer purpose too, so yeah, I was kind of hooked on hooked on what they were trying to do, I guess and uh, and and yeah, joined right right from the start, so was there right at the beginning of of kind of setting up our kind of lending offering but also getting our banking license and then obviously launching smart Save on on the back of that
0: I think our our listeners are sort of reasonably familiar with Capco as uh, we tend to be. Uh, up against each other in the uh, consultancy of the year awards at the the, the British Bank <laughs> Awards so every year that we, it tends to be us uh an 11fs that are always on the finalist list so um, <laughs> yeah. you've had, you've had a good background and uh, um, I, I know that you were kind of there right from from the start I know from our conversations that you did a huge amount of of research and clearly uh, you know that's something that would yeah. come with your kind of background as as well with Capco can you tell us a little bit more about why kind of checkwood decided to become a bank, and um, I guess, but obviously, particularly what what uh, came out of that research process in in regard to the savings market, what savers would need.
1: Yeah, definitely. So we always intended to be to become a bank, to be a bank. That was that was kind of part of the business model from the outset. Um, and really, you know, we're focused about finding distinct customer segments, uh, particularly those that we think are underserved by the market and then looking to create innovative products to meet their needs Um, and we knew that you know for us in order to be able to kind of have the the breadth and the kind of um, reach that we wanted that we would need a banking license to be able to offer the you know a number of different product categories to customers Um, so that was something we were clear about I think the research then actually for me what really stood out was that it was actually really compelling for customers that we that we were a bank, and that was important um, for for customers to understand that you know we had a UK banking license, that we were based in the UK, that our customer contact team were in the UK. Um, all of those messages resonated much more strongly than certainly than I was expecting as we went into the research. Um, and so, you know, this this kind of uh, proposition, the the kind of the messaging around. Um, those elements really kind of came through because of the focus that customers had had given in the research. Um, And you're right, for us, research underpins everything that we do. So, you know, it's, it's everything from the product features, the customer journey flow, uh, the brand look and feel, um, and then, you know, the proposition messaging. Um, So we really did test every element of that and, and then iterate and, um, Make some fairly fundamental changes, actually, to to some of the kind of early thoughts around product and journey on the back of what we learned. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of for us really core, I guess, to the process of of creating any product, um, and certainly was was very true for SmartSave as well.
0: Uh, one of the things you've done, it's uh, you mentioned about being different, that's very different, is is your dual branding mm. with the use of the Chetwood name and and the SmartSave. Bank branding was that something that came out in the research was there a rationale that uh, that drove that decision from from the work you did
1: yeah so our kind of our kind of going in position I guess was that you know we wanted a corporate brand name Chetwood um, that would really kind of encompass all of our product offerings and because of our business model we knew from the outset that wouldn't necessarily just be one brand. Um, but we didn't know how many we would want or need. We, we still don't. We you know we don't say that we'll have a different brand name for every single product. It's really down to to the target market. Um, and so if you think about LiveLend to SmartSave, LiveLend's our, our first lending product, and SmartSave, obviously, our, our savings offering, very, very different target market and um, you know the customer demographic really couldn't be more different and so we felt that kind of grouping customers with different needs under one brand name wouldn't really it wouldn't really fit with what we were trying to do um, now that's not to say we didn't test the Chetwood name with smart Save customers and um, we did in the early stages of creating the SmartSave brand, you know, we went out to market, we tested 30 or so different names that ourselves, um, you know, a bunch of people across the organization um, had, had come up with, um, and Chetwood was part of that. So we tested Chetwood Financial, we tested Chetwood Bank, um, and actually what we consistently found was that SmartSave came up in the top five names for all our customers and Chetwood was often in the bottom five. <laughs> so it, it kind of made it um, a really easy decision um, from, from that perspective. But yeah, we very much, we very much start with that kind of first principles of let's get the target market right, let's test the proposition um, with them alongside um, names. And, and really that that drives the kind of the brand strategy um, based on what customers in those segments um, find appealing and, and resonates with them
0: you're obviously now coming up to the second anniversary uh, since you launched into the savings market. How, how has it gone for you? Has it gone as expected?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously super proud of of what we've achieved. I think, you know, we've brought in hundreds of millions of deposits, thousands of customers, a, a trust pilot, a feedback score of excellent. Um, and, I, you know, for me, one of the things that's important, I guess, to reflect on is, it isn't just the the product and the customer journey that, that gets great feedback from customers, but it's also the customer service that the team offer, um, and that's important because you know a lot of the other elements we have tested, we have iterated and improved with customers, but that but that customer service offering is is just as important to the overall experience for customers, um, and so it's great to see that that also is coming out with you know with really strong feedback from our kind of actual customers. Um, and you know, I think there's always there's always so much kind of nervousness and uncertainty when you launch a completely new brand, a completely new product. Um, you know, despite all of the research, you still you still don't really know how customers will respond until you until you put it out there. Um, and so, you know, I think are the, the fundamental kind of differences in our proposition actually were things that you know when you're right up against that just about to go live they were the things that worried us that you know the the niggles that you have that say will people understand um you know the fact that at the end of their term we're going to send their money back to them if they haven't made a decision you know the the kind of rationale for that very much came out of the research and was and was very much about not allowing customers to to have their money sat on kind of really low interest Um, And to really help them kind of almost spur them into action. Um, But just before you go live, of course, you start to think, you know, is this going to work? Are people going to like this? It is something very different in the market. Um, And so it's a risk. Um, And there were a bunch of things like that when we went live that, you know, that we were kind of looking out for, I guess, to to see how they landed. Um, But actually, you know, all of them, all of them landed where we wanted them to, where we hoped that they would from the research that we'd done. Um, and there were no kind of big fundamental changes that, that we needed to make after, after go live. Um, there's always constant iteration and improvement, of course. Um, but nothing yeah nothing fundamental in terms of in terms of the kind of end-to- end design, which was great. Um, I think our launch story was was quite comical looking back, I guess. we, we sort of had this really nice, slow phased rollout planned. Um, we were working with Savings Champion to give, to give some of their customers kind of early access and to make sure that we sort of launched a bit of a beta rollout. Um, And about 36 hours into this, you know, money saving expert got hold of it and wanted to list it. And as you can imagine, like the volumes just went crazy. You know, customer contact team were kind of, you know, all hands on deck. Um, And it it just entirely wasn't the launch that we'd planned. Um, But actually, in a way, was really positive because, you know, everything did work as expected. We got a bunch of feedback in from customers really early on. Um, so, you know, it's not to say everything worked kind of seamlessly or perfectly, I guess. But um, but I think overall, you know, the the important things did hold true. Um, and the feedback that we're getting from customers is, I guess, testament to that.
0: One of my favourite quotes, which actually uh, I picked up from, from an FCA regulator, is a plan is great until you get punched in the face, which is a wise <laughs> thing quite I think uh, I think you're right however uh, yeah I I really liked it Uh, I think it was particularly funny because it was a regulator that that Mm. came out with 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 it in a a presentation no it wasn't expected Um, but yeah uh, yeah, it it does it does sum up how how they think however well you planned you you've made it Um, and however much research you've done however much you're testing there's no um, substitute for for actually that live experience, and you you've got no control over what what happens there. The best laid plans, um, yeah, can, can come un, unstuck. Uh, something yeah. that's been missed or something completely unexpected from customers.
1: Yeah, for
0: uh, sure. Uh, <laughs> however many times you do it, it's it's always a nervous uh, entry into the market for the first for the first definitely.
1: time. Definitely, yeah, definitely. And I think you know because you know my reflection, I guess, in a, from a kind of career perspective is it's so different when you're doing it under a completely new brand and it's a completely new product. And actually, you know, I've launched other products in the other places that I've worked, but, but very often they're an extension of something that's already being offered. You know, you're doing it under a Lloyd's Banking Group brand or, you know, there's, it's just different. I think when you're doing it from a completely sort of startup position um, and you don't have all of that kind of, you know, customer recognition and trust and, And so, yeah, it just, it all feels a lot more kind of uncertain. Um, And we've done it a few times now, right? We've launched a a number of different products. And I always feel the same Um, just before the kind of the moment of go live. It's that like, oh, have we, you know, are we really confident everything's going to go? And, you know, as you say, it doesn't, right? You have to be able to react. And I guess one of the things that we've um, made sure is true from kind of how we've built the architecture around, you know, the IT and our flexibility is, that we know that we can respond. So, you know, if we find something really isn't working in the journey or, you know, even one of the product features, we know that we can react to that quickly. Um so I guess that's that's kind of always a a kind of, you know, something that you have to sort of keep in mind and and as you say there's there's just no um there's no better way to learn really than than getting out to market and and, you know, and trying it.
0: <laughs> no, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, customers always surprise as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> you
0: mentioned the, the kind of banking journey earlier on. Obviously, it's something that, that we've been involved in extensively as well. I mean, we, we, we've had, uh, I think we're up to 32 new authorizations and yeah. um, about 50 odds, uh in total that have come into the savings market, obviously, because some have changed license, uh, bought incumbent banks, etc. Um, I think uh, Cash Plus is the only one that's got the got across the line so far this year but um it's you know it's obviously had a tremendous impact in the in the market over mm-hmm. the last sort of decade or or so what what impact has it had on on what you're doing with Chetwood and smart
1: Save? i think it's really great i mean you know clearly it's good for customers um i think having more choice in the market can only be a positive you know i think particularly kind of you know, anything that's encouraging customers either to save more, um, or really to make the most of their savings. It's just, it's just good all round. Um, so for us, you know, it's not something that we kind of focus on or, or worry about really in terms of, you know, competitors coming into this space. Um, I think, you know, when we talk to save savings customers, obviously they are becoming more relaxed about trying newer brands, um, you know the fscs promise obviously it really helps with that um and i think it's for me they're kind of the more people that come into this space hopefully the more we get customers kind of moving into a space of you know really being able to to search around the market for the best rates the best products and the products that work for them that perhaps stand for things they they want to to kind of use their savings for you know i uh i listened to the podcast you did with um Tim from Oxbury Bank. And I think, you know, that's such a such an interesting proposition. Um, I also really like what Nude are doing with their kind of savings account for for mortgages. You know, there's there's lots out there that's um, becoming more targeted almost. And, you know, that's clearly a part of our strategy to be able to offer kind of niche offerings to distinct segments. But it's great, actually, to see that there's a whole bunch of new entrants coming in who are also trying to operate in in those areas. Um, and I think that's great for customers. I think it, it really does help kind of move the whole market forward. Um, so, yeah, it's it's not something that we, you know, we look at competitors for inspiration, I guess, and we often, when we're doing research, test competitor ideas too to understand, you know, what's resonating with customers, what they like and don't like. Um, but really, I think it has to be, a you know, a positive for the industry as a whole. Yeah, I, th-
0: I, th- I think you're a spot on there. I think it's, it's – the- Certainly, new banks have been the savers' friends over the past yeah. ten, eleven years, and and without them, rates would have um, looked a lot worse than
1: yeah than sure. they,
0: they current now for yeah for sure. Uh, <laughs> um, I, it's interesting. I think you're you're right. Kind of mentioning talking about going niche. I think uh, we've seen seen that people focusing on on niches has been kind of the the way it started to to head, and that probably the other one is. Seeing a, a more evidence of uh, a, a kind of regional geographical yeah. focus, people now so there's a bit of a pivot there with, with some of the new new entrants coming through, looking at uh, serving a particular geographical area, which will be another interesting dynamic to see. How,
1: yeah, how
0: that and works.
1: We, we did hear about that from customers in some of our research. You know, I think particularly that kind of moving away from the London focus, and you know, even the fact that we're based up in Wrexham you know, people actually are really positive about it kind of being a slightly different model. And, you know, I think, as you say, there's kind of good extensions of that, I suppose, in some of the more geographical, regional uh, propositions that are coming out, uh, which is really interesting. And is almost kind of a, it's almost like we're going back in time in one respect, isn't it? But uh, I think think customers really like it. Um, And actually, if you've got your IT set up in the right way, then you really can operate in these niches you know this is it's kind of core to our business model but it's it's absolutely about being able to kind of you know I call it proper marketing it's like actually find out what a segment wants and deliver something specific to their their needs not try and create a you know mass market proposition that that works for everybody because the IT cost to implement it was so great that it then has to kind of really you know cover such a such a large group of customers in order to deliver that return on investment you know it's a very different way of operating but clearly the technology is enabling businesses to set up and to succeed in in these niches um, and i think that's i think that's really exciting for for customers and for the industry
0: yeah i i agree i think it's going to be a fascinating market to to be in still for for a long while yeah right. well as we as we're looking forward what what are your plans for the for the future have you got anything lined up that uh, that's going to bring something new to the savings market or um, innovation for savers
1: yeah so one of our one of our core initiatives this year and i guess it's it's kind of less consumer focused in one respect but but hopefully not in another so we're really focused around banking as a service and um, we set up Chetwood actually right from the outset to offer banking as a service to other companies um so that people can use you know our products, our technology stack, our customer service if they want to. Um, and I think, you know, I think it's a it is a really exciting extension of what we've just been talking to, which is, you know, there are so many companies out there who have memberships, you know, membership groups, customer groups within their their own organizations that they would like to be able to offer savings accounts to. Equally, there are a bunch of new fintechs out there who might need deposits in order to support the rest of their business but who aren't necessarily focused around building savings accounts you know as part of their kind of core proposition um and so what we're able to offer is actually a way for for organizations to effectively pick and choose which bits of the of the kind of um end-to-end offering they they want to use from us um and and use that really to leverage then and and offer a, a savings account to their own members or customers. Um, so that's something that we're that we're very focused on this year. Um, I think we've got, you know, from a technology perspective, there's some really cool functionality around pricing and product development that allows us to change prices quickly, to stand up new products. And I think again, you know, offering that out to the market just enables everyone in the industry to kind of react quicker and and, uh, offer essentially better products and prices for customers, um, which is is clearly a good thing. Um, And then I guess the other thing we're working on at Chetwood is um, quite a lot around additional credit products. Um, And as we start to launch those over the next 12 months or so, we'll obviously be looking to bring in larger deposit balances to support that. Um, so that will see us over the next kind of certainly over the next six to twelve months be in market a lot more consistently. Um, so you know, hoping to be there offering kind of best in best in market rates. Um, it will also see us look at extending the the products that we offer in savings. So thinking about allowing customers to have multiple accounts or perhaps to exceed the kind of eighty five k FSCS limit. Um, both of those things really just helped us kind of focus on a very simplified launch. Um, but really, as we, you know, as we start to expand our offer, um, I expect those things will will move and change over the next, um, next six to 12 months. Uh, and with that comes, a, you know, a whole host of ideas around how do we use open banking to improve the journey flow um, for customers who can't easily verify existing bank accounts? Uh, you know, what are the different types of, of savings accounts would we want to offer? Um, so yeah I think, I think certainly over the next twelve months they'll um, there'll be a lot more focus on kind of reaching out to I guess a broader base of customers.
0: That'll be music to to listeners' ears that uh, we might see more um, more best buy rates and uh, yeah. and, and they back in the market more often for for sure in the current environment.
1: Uh, Yeah, and I think for us as well, you know, the the customer contact team they they'd much prefer us to be on all the time. I think you know we're kind of at the moment, as as you will have seen, we we have been in and out of the market, um, you know, which clearly has made sense. And and one of the things we kind of set as one of our early principles was to make sure that we always give our existing customers the best rate. So our customers who are reaching the the end of their fixed term, we always want to offer them a better rate than our kind of new to new to customer rate um and so you know that's something that has meant that we've been out of the market for new customers more because actually what we're doing is retaining quite a lot of those balances from our existing book um so yeah I think as you say it it will mean that we're I guess we become a kind of a more consistent option for customers um, which yeah hopefully is a, is a good thing for the market too because as you say that drives that competitiveness and you know kind of gets rates in the right place for customers overall
0: yeah abs- absolutely it's something that i've i've commented a lot on uh, it's it's competition that's really been driving rates over over the last few few years um people sort of talk about uh, you know changes in base rate and other influences on the market but but actually it's it's really been the competitive landscape and, and what individual providers need, and whether that coincides with with others at the same time, that's yeah. had had the biggest influence on rates. Uh, yeah, sure.
1: definitely. And you know, we see that all the time, right? Even when we're we're kind of bringing in deposits from new customers, it's as you say that kind of depending what period you're in. You know, you, we can be doing three or four rate changes a day sometimes because the market can literally be moving that quickly. Um, and that can be people coming in that can be people going out of market people changing price to get to the first place again you know it's it's such a dynamic space um that really yeah you you know you really kind of need to be able to react to that quickly um but i 100% agree it's yeah it's the it's the competitive um landscape that's driving the the rate kind of wars but in a in a good way for customers
0: <laughs> yeah definitely i I mean, we've, we've talked a lot about uh, how things have changed over the kind of past decade and, and all the new entrants. What, going forward, what what do you think the savings market is going to look like in the next few years? Uh, what's your kind of crystal ball view of the world, if you like?
1: <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, it's interesting this year, isn't it? It's been such a, over the last 12 months or so, such a kind of completely different time for us to to kind of, look at both the lending and savings market actually to be to be honest and i think um you know i think clearly we've seen a group of customers who you know have been struggling on the back of covid there's a group that have also been able to save more on the back of covid and i think what will really be interesting you know in the kind of immediate term is how do people now respond so you know are people going to as has been kind of talked about you know book the holidays, spend the money, kind of really, you know, kind of get back out there and and enjoy it. Um, or is there a group that are still actually going to be, you know, kind of a little bit more perhaps fixated on making sure that they have that buffer, you know, using that deposit or that um, sort of savings balance that they've managed to build um, to kind of better affect and I guess use it to almost establish a habit and a and a kind of you know a, a kind of a way of living. Um, so I think I think that will be interesting to see, um, you know, clearly, clearly beyond that. I think, you know, we should continue to see new entrants. I think we will continue to see more kind of specialist savings companies, as we've talked about. I think banking as a service is starting to to kind of be a broader offering. Um, and so I think that will be interesting to see how over the next couple of years that shapes and which organizations really start to to use that. Um, and how they use it, how they take that through into propositions for their customer bases. Um, so, yeah, I think that's that's an area to to kind of keep an eye on. Um, I think, you know, we've seen kind of, I guess, sort of over the last couple of years, three years or so, kind of more of the kind of savings platforms, so Raisin and, you know, and a bunch of, of other people in that space. Um, and it'll be interesting to see if that continues to build. Um, I feel like it's been, you know, it's certainly been kind of, one of the bigger changes over the, yeah, the last few years. So interesting to see where some of those go as well. Um, and then I think there's there's kind of a, a bunch of, I guess, slightly more retail-focused propositions around, you know, sweeping savings into pots and kind of helping people do that kind of almost day-to-day saving. Um, and there's been some great innovation in that space. But I think hopefully as open banking becomes a little more embedded and you know, hopefully as customers become a little less scared of it. Um, there might be more in that space actually. And and I guess that tends to be a younger demographic probably than than our customer base for SmartSave at the moment, because, you know, it, it tends to be people that aren't yet ready to kind of fix money away for long periods of time. But hopefully that can start to to kind of really embed those habits and that, and that good behavior, I guess, from an early age. Um, and I think, you know, there's there's a number of people out there trying to do stuff in that space whether it's plum or bud you know there's there's a number of of different companies that are, that are interesting and certainly again one that i'll be keen to see where they go to um and then i guess crypto you know i'm by no means a, a crypto expert but i think there is a piece about currencies and and i guess again a little like open banking you know if, as they become more kind of commonplace more stable um it will be really interesting to see whether that impacts the way that people save, um, as well, and, and perhaps in a much more fundamental way than we can kind of even really imagine at the stage.
0: Yeah, I, I mean that, that that's quite a list there of, of things, but I think they're all um, all very relevant, or um, and that you know all things that are going to to have a, a huge influence on on the market there's probably a few bits i'd be interested in in your kind of views on that you you Mm -hmm. mentioned the sort of savings marketplaces um which on on paper kind of seem you know like a, a, a good thing for for savers potentially um they haven't really caught on yet probably quite i i suspect as as people would have we would have hoped um certainly within within that industry uh, yeah. you probably account for uh in total less than you know 10 billion of balances in a 1.7 trillion savings market yeah. why, why why do you think uh that that's that's the case you know, is it early days yet or um are there some some issues that are sort of halting halting that that growth in that area
1: Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of, a lot of savings for me just, you know, it comes back to that kind of customer inertia and I guess, you know, really kind of when we do the research, a lot of what we hear is just that, you know, it's the thing people know that they should do, but you don't necessarily get around to straight away. Um, And I wonder whether there's a bit of that actually, you know, it's different. It requires a little bit more brain power to think about whether you want to do it or not. Um, I wonder if that is, is kind of, not holding people back, but I guess yeah, slowing down the the adoption and and the kind of um, take up rate. Essentially, um, it's it's always, you know, I often I often say this because I think you know, particularly when you talk to people that work in financial services, people can get a little lost in kind of we, we know too much, right? Like we, you know, it's, you have to kind of take it back to the customer to try and Absolutely. and try and remember. But but even then, actually, a lot of what we do day to day you know, isn't necessarily what we know we should be doing with our money um, because life gets in the way and, and you know, people don't necessarily make the right financial decisions at every, you know, at every stage. Um, and so, yeah, I wonder if they're just being hit by, as you say, kind of that, you know, the, the slow take up is really just a, is part of that and part of people not spending the time researching and, you know, thinking about their options in the way that they might like to think they would. Um but generally don't actually end up doing. Um, but yeah, it will be interesting to see, I think, where they go to. There's, you know, there's there's a lot of people in that space now. Um, and it's actually something I haven't tested for customers, but I would be really interested actually to do a little bit of research and to understand, as you say, kind of what it is that's um, yeah, that's creating that kind of, you know, those people that are are using it and how are they finding it, uh, but also for those that aren't, kind of what what's driving that.
0: Yeah, I think it's particularly interesting. Obviously, and, until recently, Hargreaves land down and kind of Raisin being the sort of big, um, yeah. big names. Albeit Raisin not so much in this country, more from from, from Germany. But we've now had Aviva uh, going go into yeah. that, that space as well. Uh, I, I, I'm pretty sure there's a um, a fairly significant other uh, player that's uh, going to come to. Uh, to the market uh, this year as as well there that's a, a sort of uk household name so it's uh, it it's an area i think we're going to see more from and I'll, I'll be interested to see how that that pans out
1: yeah me too and i you know one of the things we we get very focused about is this kind of end of term you know inertia of customers who hit the end of their term and and sort of don't do anything with their money for three months six months you know as they sort of think oh i must go and check the market i must look at another account i must make the most of my money and then actually you know end up kind of in this period of of sort of delay um and it'll be interesting to see how these platforms you know how how they can help that i guess and how they can potentially be sort of really prompting customers and moving money automatically and actually just kind of you know sort of removing that that whole barrier um that we see you know we see it Across the high street banks, you know people kind of leaving money in in pots and not getting around to doing anything else with it. Um, we see at the end of lots of fixed term accounts um, as well. So yeah, I think it's it's really interesting to see how those how those offerings evolve.
0: You talked about some of the the app kind of services like uh, Plum and, mm-hmm. and Chip that sort of help behaviourally. Um, yeah, I think one of one of the things that's always been sort of said in the past is when you when you get uh, Good innovation like that often that gets absorbed into you know the bigger banks because they either replicate yeah. the service or they go you know they go and buy them um and, and take them in in yeah. house I, I think what would be interesting is that if it went the other way and if uh, if we perhaps saw some of those combined with with the marketplaces yeah you know, instead that would be that would be, yeah, something exactly. that would be really interesting and, and try and solve both kind of elements of of the challenge there
1: yeah no i totally agree and i and i think there's an interesting there's an interesting gap not gap but there's um you know you've got at one end you've got a lot of kind of perhaps more innovative um companies popping up like we talked about like plum and chip and others you know their target markets feel quite different actually to a raisin um or a Hargreaves gray um and i guess there's just an interesting transition there about as you say if you put them together um, there are benefits for both groups of segments. I think across those offerings, um, so there's just something there, isn't there, about how do they, yeah, how do they both evolve almost um, and consider the target market to come up with something that's actually really impactful um, and potentially yeah. really low effort from a customer perspective, which is is something that we're always, you know, on our side really really focused on um, because I think that's how you actually get change and you know you kind of have to make it as easy as possible for customers to really kind of engage with um so yeah it's yeah it's definitely interesting when you look at the market and i think there's lots of room for some kind of fairly fundamental shifts um that could just really simply actually because technology is already there but really kind of bring to life a number of different offerings
0: yeah yeah like you said the tech the technology is there it'd be interesting whether whether it, um, it you know kind of gets combined to to join it all up, mm. yeah, uh, which obviously open banking um, will will facilitate. So it will be interesting to see whether that you know gets embraced and adopted.
1: Exactly, and I heard you know I heard lots of stories through COVID of particularly actually in the SME market, people kind of really starting to at a customer level use and trust open banking because. You know, effectively, I guess, because they, they weren't able to get offers without it. Um, and it'll be interesting to see, won't it? From a retail perspective, I, I still don't see that that's happened. Um, but how do we make that happen? And is savings actually the area that really, you know, that will really facilitate it? Um, because there almost needs to be some stronger use cases for customers to really understand how it can benefit them. Um, and I feel like there's some, there's some really good examples in some of these new fintechs. Um, so maybe, you know, maybe they, they do have an opportunity to actually start to educate people and, and really get that engagement where, you know, it, it just hasn't been there over the last few years. Um, but maybe they can create a reason to, to kind of really embed it, which would be great.
0: Yeah, I, I think we will. I think, I think COVID will definitely have, have helped accelerate that. You know, yeah, for, sh- for, sh- for sure. Uh, and it will certainly have it certainly helped uh, accelerate some of the adoption. On, yeah. on the other, other side and people getting more comfortable with it i think the other thing you you, you mentioned that um uh, you know that i think it's it is really interesting to see what happens it it was another covid thing which is this uh what, what's been kind of termed as accidental save as you you're absolutely right what you you described there with covid's been very polarizing with some people yeah really really struggling and, and in really difficult position but on, on the other side some people have have come out of it financially incredibly well have, have found themselves with you know a lot more in terms of of savings I, yeah. I, I think there's certainly a bit about um, some people will use some of that to have a bit of a splurge <laughs> when they can I think there'll definitely be some that will hang on to an emergency stash maybe some that do a bit of a splurge and hang on to a bit of the yeah the extra that they've they've had but uh, you talked that the the word used was was habit there and that's a bit i'm really interested in to see whether actually will have an impact on on people's habits and whether
1: yeah i agree
0: uh, people change behaviorally whether yeah, know where people say actually no i'm gonna i'm gonna commit to now being a regular saver and now i've got into the habit of having that extra money i'm going to commit even if not all of it more regularly going going forward and 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 change how they how they save for the future
1: yeah and i think you know even just kind of anecdotally talking to to people as opposed to actual customer research in this space i think a lot of people have been quite surprised by how much they've been able to save Um, and so i think that's what kind of drives some of that it's you know it's the it's been relatively easy for people to save relatively large amounts of money and so that does kind of you know it is positively reinforcing that behavior isn't it and I think that's what drives habit right that's what creates those kind of sort of go-to reactions and it, it will be interesting because clearly clearly there's a bunch of people that you know, as you say, we'll, we'll splurge and we'll, you know, have been looking forward to splurging. Um, but I hope there is also a group that have just fundamentally realized that actually with a few, a few changes, they can actually start to save a, you know, a relatively material amount of money and that that kind of then drives and, and, and reinforces that behavior over time. Because um, I think that would be a great outcome for, you know, for kind of what has been a very difficult year. Um, and I also think for that group of people that have really struggled, you know, it would be great if if this also does drive them to try and think about small habits to put away. I totally appreciate. And, you know, we serve we serve the near prime market and our lending products. And, you know, there are groups of customers in there who just can't save. You know, they don't they don't have um, they don't have the disposable income to do that. Um, and so it's, you know, it's not just about good habits for everybody. There are clearly people in, in different situations. Um, but I hope for those that can, it sort of re-emphasises, I guess, the value of it. Um, and, you know, and hopefully starts to drive some some kind of different behaviours in that space too.
0: Yeah, it, it will be fascinating to see how it, it plays out. And there's no kind of precedent for it either. So it's in, impossible to, um, to, to kind of predict as well yeah. where it's going to go.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: I mean, we've talked a lot about things that have have changed in the in the industry in the market. Um, well, I think one thing that sadly hasn't hasn't changed a huge amount from my perspective is the number of women leading sort of savings businesses in the UK. Yeah, you're one of only kind of three that I'm aware of. What, what do you think? As an industry, we need to do more to to change that.
1: I still think there's lots that needs to be done across the whole of financial services. Um, you know, we could talk about this probably all day. So yeah. <laughs> it perhaps needs its uh, perhaps needs its it
0: own. Needs show. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. Um, but I mean I think you know I think being more open about it, I think talking about it more openly is is the first stage, right? And and that is happening more. I think, you know, even International Women's Day this year, I saw a lot of the big organizations come out. I saw men and women in those organizations talk to what it meant to them personally as opposed to kind of corporate statements which i think is important um, but there are still organizations where you know where that isn't the case um where people don't buy into or consider their own unconscious bias um, and that's you know obviously much more than just gender um, but gender is clearly clearly one element of it um, and i think you know i think so many of our expectations are just set from such an early age and that's expectations of ourselves but also of others Um, and so kind of recognizing that and and being conscious of that is is super important to me and I think you know it's it's something at Chetwood because we sort of started from scratch because we created an organization we had this kind of wonderful opportunity I guess to be able to to really think about diversity as we built the organization out Um, not everybody gets that kind of you know blank piece of paper to work from um, but even if you don't, there is so much more you can do just by having the conversation um, with men and women and, and checking in on your own expectations and your own perceptions of people and, and whether you are making those judgments on a kind of equal basis. Um, and I think, I think you know that's, that's the crux of it, really, if people can be more open and honest about their own views um, and talk more about it with others, um, then I think that makes a big difference. Um, And then, you know, I think there is a piece about role models clearly too. So, you know, I think about my own expectations and I think, you know, actually when I reflect on it, it's easy to forget how many of my expectations of myself have been kind of created, if you like, in a very male dominated environment. Um, And so, you know, actually getting more female role models out there and, and kind of allowing them to to really hopefully speak to younger generations and, and encourage a different, a a different kind of consideration for what they can do in their own careers. um, I think is important too. And I know there's lots of that happening. You know, I think Vanessa Valade does a great, a great job of, of kind of promoting through the, we are the city work, you know, people in financial services, but also in tech. Um, There is a lot of focus in this area, but I don't really think we can do too much in this space. Um, you know, it, there is kind of always more to do and that's that's got to be driven by male leaders as much as female leaders. Um, we just need kind of the industry as a whole to to get much sharper on it.
0: I agree. I think it's really interesting to hear your your kind of perspective on it and I've certainly seen some some good positive signs this year, but I think there's a, there's a huge amount more still to be be done i think as a banking industry we're we're improving yeah but the the pace of improvement is not quick enough unfortunately
1: yeah and i think there's some there's still some really you know kind of deeply ingrained bias i guess that you know i think will take generations to shift but but we can you know we can only kind of talk about it and try and and shift it sooner um and you know, I think the examples around children and how you handle children and, you know, how you even how you react to kind of violent behaviour or aggressive behaviour in boys and girls, like at very young ages, you know, even even some of that um kind of natural bias that we that we grow up with, you know, that kind of it just follows through and it, it then obviously comes through into the workplace because it's part of society and there's there's some really interesting stuff I think that, you know, is is actually kind of when you read it and and kind of consider it would be relatively easy to shift and change but everyone just kind of needs to be sort of looking for that stuff and trying to do that all day every day um and not just doing it once a year for international women's day or you know it's it's got to sort of become much more how we operate and you know we do it a lot at Chetwood in terms of even just challenging and you know kind of making the point you know if people say girls you know and actually they're referring to someone who is in their mid-20s or mid-30s you know there are there are a bunch of people in our you know across our organization who will say that's that's not appropriate right actually we need to say woman we need to say man like you wouldn't say boy in that scenario and and some of those small things actually become quite important to to getting people to consider it in a different way um and it, I guess it's not about making it a kind of a, you know, a kind of a, a right or wrong or trying to tell people off the behavior. It's just about trying to talk about it and understand why people are doing that. Because I think if you start to recognize it, and we all do it, we all have our own unconscious bias on on many things. Um, but really, when you recognize it, you can start to change it and think about it and at least be more conscious and aware of it. Um, and that's that's the key, isn't it? So. It's um, it's kind of small habits again, right? It's the same as the stuff we sell on savings, um. But I think they're the they're the important things that then actually kind of add up to a lot over time, as opposed to doing sort of really you know flashy big things once a year. Um, it's much more about what we do every day.
0: Yeah, I I, I agree. I think it's those those li- th- things that seem quite small and sometimes maybe insignificant. Actually, are quite quite important, particularly when you stack them up to together that's that's ultimately yeah. where you drive big change it's not one sort of headline day a year and um you know making a big deal and then going back to uh, you know kind of everything how it was uh, I, I, i'm hoping as well from i, I think covid w- will change a lot about how we we operate and i'm hoping that that, that also um you yeah, know some of the flexibilities that have, yeah. have been allowed because they've been kind of forced um, will will endure as as well, which I, I think will um, you know have, have the ability to, to to help an awful lot. Yeah, I agree. As well,
1: yeah, I agree. So, I think that's a, a, a really good point, actually, in terms of almost that kind of practical outcome of COVID, which, as you say, actually yeah. just facilitates. Um, yeah, it facilitates so much, and it is super important in terms of actually enabling women to progress and to drive their own careers but to have a home life and and everything else that they want to right and you're right that clearly it's one of the reasons that there is such a gender gap still so um that should be a, a huge advantage having come out of covid which you know, we've all seen that flexibility and that um openness actually to different ways of working, which you know people have been talking about for a little while, but COVID really brought it all to a head, I guess, and said, "No, people can work effectively from home. Not everybody wants to, um, but some people can and want to." Um And you know, I think it's yeah, I think that's a really good point.
0: Yeah, it has, hasn't it? It's it's amazing how many how many jobs that could, that couldn't be done at, at home when they were requested suddenly uh, within 48 hours um could could be done yeah um, exactly done. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah 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 when, when 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 there was no other alternative so it was amazing yeah. how creative people got
1: um, yeah and, and, no you're right
0: and it wasn't that difficult in the number of, of cases so yeah um yeah I, I i think like you said we could uh we could probably do a whole whole podcast on <laughs> yeah, on this and we should do that and we will do that. So, um, I, I can't let you go, though, without asking you uh, one final question, which is the one I ask everyone, which is um, if you were a Chancellor for the day, what what's the one thing you'd do to make the world a better place for savers?
1: I think, I mean, it's probably not much of a surprise, but my bugbear around people sitting on kind of next to no interest on their deposits. So, you know, whether that's kind of increased communications, I know there are requirements around communicating end of term, but really what customers tell us in the research is still that they feel that savers are trying, you know, savings companies are trying to, to trick them or to delay them in moving their money. So, you know, whether it's communications, whether it's actually doing what we do, which is kind of enforcing more of a, if the customer hasn't made a choice, you send the money back. Um, but I think, yeah, I think there's there's space there to actually create a movement around people who don't make the time to invest in making the change quickly enough and then lose out on all of that interest that we've talked about, whether it's two months or six months or frankly becomes nine, 10, 12. <laughs> um, you know, that's the area that I think would actually have a really material impact across such a broad number of people. Um and is probably relatively simple to put in place. It's really just about putting more focus back on the savings companies to to be clearer, to make it easier for customers to make choices or to move their money or to get their money back. Um, and that's the thing that yeah, I'm super, I'm super passionate about.
0: It was interesting you said that. So one of the things you do is obviously re, you know repay the money automatically uh, on on maturity. Uh, if, you know if you haven't heard uh, yeah. from. From from the customer, uh, and and I'd be interested to see whether that um, that evolves to becoming the the, the dominant uh, you know model. If we kind of roll yeah. back ten years, it was auto roll over unless there was nothing. Then it's become moved to easy access, so you're not kind of tied into a new term, and, yeah. and and you're one of a sort of handful of providers that are going going that way. And I I wonder if that um, might become the dominant um default option if you if you like uh, yeah that, i
1: hope so i really hope so that may be
0: what helps steer it in the in the future
1: yeah and it's it's again it's one of those really simple things that came out of the research it came out as quite an emotive topic for customers um and actually you know there was that nervousness when we went live about it is different it is therefore a risk you know will customers understand or expect it um but really you know the feedback on it has been phenomenal and it and it is one of those as you say, kind of when you take a step back, it's a basic principle, but it is the right thing to do actually. And it drives the right behavior from customers. So yeah, I really, I really hope so. Um, and that's the area that I would focus on because I actually think it will benefit, it would benefit so many customers, um, and actually make a material difference because as we all know, you know, people, people get fixated on the, you know 0.6 percent interest versus the 0.58 um but actually if you sit your account in 0.05 for three months you know it really it really doesn't matter um so it's um yeah it's really trying to drive that behavior into a different space that i think is important
0: yeah no, i agree well you're you're actually the that's the uh that's the first uh first time that answer's come up so uh you're good um, we've had a variety of different uh, answers there but that's really uh, that, that's a new that's a new one
1: but so. i also have one about education which is you know i just think generally kind of how do we as a society i guess make make educating children about savings about managing their money about building their credit score about all of these things how do we how do we kind of really get that into a different space, and I know again, you know, a little bit like the the gender piece we talked to, there have been improvements definitely, and there have been some big high street banks, Barclays in particular, um, but a bunch of others that have have kind of really sort of stood by this and talked about doing financial education. Um, but I still think there's more there to do. You know, I still think people, and particularly when we do the research, you know, and we're, our target market are people who you know typically are putting in. £30,000 plus they're locking it away for one to five years um you know you would think that they are a more educated group of the UK population in this space than than many um and yet some of some of the kind of the basics just aren't there and and so yeah for me that that is also one of those areas that I I still think we need a almost a kind of a a broader kind of um approach on and you know it, there's there's lots of space to to improve
0: yeah definitely I think that's something that's very close to our hearts as well um, yeah. and it's something that we've been looking at um, from a number of angles of, of what we, what role we could play there to to to, to help I I agree with um, with you I think uh, um when I was at school which um doesn't feel that long ago but certainly it, it was I think I had one lesson on um on financial sort of you know money management yeah. um that, that, and that that was it everything else i learned at um at home or for my own yeah. own reading and um that's yeah, given the importance um of, of it that's not um appropriate and i'm not sure um a huge amount has changed since
1: unfortunately no and i think you know um, again it, it's a little bit back to that habits piece isn't it it's or everything is out there for people who want to self-educate, but people don't get around to it and people don't yeah. really want to, if we're honest. You know, even when we do the research, people, people, you know, are are kind of not that interested in teaching themselves the the ins and outs. There's always a group that are, of course, and you know, in their kind of investing and saving and doing all sorts of, of things because they enjoy it, but the vast majority don't. And so it's really our responsibility. To kind of make it really easy for people to be educated along the way, you know, through the journey, not needing to kind of go and set aside an hour to read an article because they just don't do that. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's the same principle, really, isn't it? About how do you kind of build education in through school, through university, perhaps, you know, through college? How do you kind of just make it a little bit more uh, prominent through a number of different routes that people take? Uh, to really try and, and get that across because not everybody can rely on good financial management from their family or, you know, um, their kind of home life. So, yeah, I think it's it's definitely an area that that still needs work. And I guess it starts with kids, but actually, you know, as I say, there's a, there's a lot of adults out there that still need it today. Um, yeah. And so it's, you know, it's the same problem, isn't it? How do you kind of drip feed some of that information through um, in a way that people can consume?
0: Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. It doesn't. It doesn't start and end at uh, at school. We, I'm sure, we've both seen, um, you know, people who's um, who, who've kind of learnt the hard way. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, later later on. Um, but uh, yeah, that's yeah. Uh, that, that's probably also another podcast. <laughs> I yeah, I'm
1: true. Right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. How do we uh, how do we resolve that one? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'm conscious i've 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 kept you for quite some some time now it's been so insightful um listening to what you've you've got to say and your your kind of thoughts on the industry i think um we we'll look forward to seeing um some more of those best buy rates that you've uh you've promised uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, in, in in the near future um uh, we wish all the best with with chetwood and and smart say thank you very much for, for coming on and for your time today
1: Thank you. You're, you're very welcome. I really enjoyed it.